Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good, Eric. Uh, the time has come. It is our final review of the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival. I didn't say Untitled Tribeca Review, but I meant to. Oh, that's fine. How are you feeling? I'm, <laughs> you know, fine overall. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, as we're recording uh, reviews. We just finished a 60 minute uh, interview or interview review for uh, Black Widow. So which you guys can check out right now, which went really, really well. Um, I think that it was a, a very thoughtful uh, review. And, you know, we do tend to go on a little long, but, you know, we, we never hide that want fact. sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. Um, with this, it's going to be very interesting because you watched it um, maybe a couple of days before I did and and a week, have had, ago, a week ago and <laughs> have had some time to really sit with it. I watched it um on the Friday, so we're recording on Tuesday. And it's it's this is one of those movies that it's like I was afraid to watch a little bit because I wouldn't consider myself necessarily like a diehard Anthony Bourdain fan, but I really did like a lot of the shows that he produced and him as a personality over the years and and my younger brother uh connor uh has also is is a fan of his i'd say maybe even more so than me um and so watching this i was afraid of watching it because you know you know it maybe being too soon and also you know is this just going to kind of be like an in- introduction to who he was and you know repetitive of like if you've seen you know a cook's tour or no reservations or the layover or any number of his talk show appearances or or read you know kitchen confidential um would this just kind of be like an introduction movie to who he was as a person um but i found that morgan neville's documentary did something that I wasn't really expecting it to do. And it kind of felt both unnerving and very, um, very tragic in a lot of ways. And that is Bourdain is as present in this movie as in this documentary about him, uh, Mm -hmm. as any subject would be, you know, like it kind of felt like he was there, you know, with the way that sort of, Neville sort of implements the voiceovers that we've we've heard uh, over the years. He recontextualizes, uh, or they recontextualize the his voiceovers as well. Have had behind the scenes footage of him, and you know even almost documentary style footage that probably was used in other places that they use in this as well. Yeah, and then on top of that, um, I the other thing I found really interesting and i i don't always like using the word interesting because it can kind of mean like oh it's not good or or um it's just a very vague term and sort of or descriptor um but what i did find very interesting and in, in a movie that i i think it would make a really great double bill with uh that i watched recently is riders of justice and the reason okay. being for that is both mm. movies look at somebody that is just no longer around that's that that has that has died and it's just abrupt and the people that knew this person best having to move on but also not everyone necessarily being able to 
completely get over the fact that they're gone and just what that means. And that's what I think both Riders of Justice and Roadrunner (laughs) do really well. Obviously, one is is fictional and, and one is true to life. But like the idea of seeing people sort of go on, but also it being so recent because it's only a few years ago since he, you know, tragically committed three suicide. Years, right? yeah. yeah. And two years when they were making the documentary, but three uh, by the time when the doc came out. Um, and it just, it, it does feel very fresh and it doesn't feel like he's gone, you know, he, like he's a lot of the footage that they have, especially leading up to his death very close to his death which i was also really surprised that they had that um it it just again it just feels like almost like you're watching a story unfold in real time and i was impressed with how thoughtful it was without being exploitative but at the same time it's not necessarily it was also felt very real and raw though too yeah it's but it's not the thing that what's important to make a distinction here is that morgan neville is never trying to get inside anthony bourdain's head in the sense that he's never trying to come up with like okay well what was he thinking in those last moments it 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 never goes there it's never trying to say okay well this is the reason why he did what he did no there are other people who are featured in the documentary that kind of give their thoughts on it or their opinions on it i think but it never yeah never pretends to say here's what he was thinking because we have footage of him up until like his last moments essentially yeah which i think is really important because if you go into making this and trying to sort of basically recontextualize but also try to build a narrative as to why he did what he did and to make sense of it to make sense of it all well you're losing you know the point of why you're making this film you know this is this is almost more of a way to cope with the loss for the people that are doing this interview or these interviews and 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 you know participating in this documentary as much as it is Mm a, a sort of a a story about Anthony Bourdain. And I think that that is what makes it um, a very unique film. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I I really, really enjoyed it. And and I'm coming from kind of a different perspective because obviously I, I know Anthony Bourdain. I've seen, you know, him on, I've seen his shows. I, I never religiously watched them or anything, but I always liked him as a personality and liked how kind of, you know, blunt he was and just how, how much, he was just felt like himself. And I was always intrigued by the guy. I always wanted to go and read his books or I wanted to watch more of parts unknown, or I know, um, you'd always show me, uh, uh, certain episodes of a 24 hour layover. It was the show that he did, right? Yeah. That's where um, he, where he's in Toronto for 24 hours. Yeah. So yeah. I think we, we watched the Toronto episode, but also watched a, a couple other things. Um, and, so I was coming kind of from a different perspective. So <clears throat> I um I ended up really enjoying it. It is heartbreaking. It is kind of um just knowing where it's ultimately where where it's ending is just it's kind of hard tough to watch the whole thing. But I agree with you that the way that they kind of put the footage together and use voiceovers and take elements that he's done and and kind of not give them new meaning per se, but um format them in a way that kind of celebrates his life, but also kind of doesn't pull any punches when it comes to, you know, ultimately what he did to himself and, and, and his friends and family and, and colleagues and, and, and everyone and kind of gets their opinions on it. And as him as a man and, and his 
just him in general. And then ultimately up into those final moments, I just found um, it did a really good job of doing that thing that sometimes we complain about of being like, you know, greatest hits Wikipedia page thing, but doing it in a way that didn't feel like that. And like you said, it almost felt like we were following along in real time of his career or his uh, his life starting from, you know, all that footage of when he f- had his first breakout with Kitchen Confidential up until, you know, um, the uh, his last episodes uh, of the of of Parts Unknown, right? Is uh, Yeah, yeah. And with, with CNN and, and sort of working on that and and yeah and obviously his uh, Aja Argento and 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 everything there like I, I just found it really interesting that his crew never really pulled any punches you'd see like uh, everyone be very open of like I mean David Chang talking about you know his relationship with 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 Tony as he as he calls him and as most people do and like and how you know he loved him as a person, but it was always, it was also hurt by him. And and I think that's what I found most interesting of it wasn't just glamorizing his life or it wasn't just this puff piece of, of, you know, look at how great Anthony Bourdain uh, was. It, I think it was a very, you know, realistic and real portrayal of a, you know, a, a troubled man who was obviously very influential and very, um, important to uh, his industry and, and you know, both telev- in the television world and in the food world, I think, too, and just travel and showcasing the world and the stuff that I found most interesting. And I think we've talked about just talking about him of like some of the stuff he'd see and, and they go over that stuff and some of the tougher things he had to witness or deal with on his trips and how that affects a person, right? Of when you see the world and you, you <clears throat> compare that to how you're living or how, you know, a Western society is, and you go and see some of these people who are suffering that that kind of takes a toll on a person. And, and well, um, especially in Beirut, which was yeah. a, a very pivotal moment for him as a host. And, and again, like it kind of goes through the motions of, uh, you mentioned with, you know, him having his first success in the late nineties with kitchen confidential, and then parlaying that into a uh, talk, you know, like a, like not a talk show, but like a, a, a sort of a, a geographical travel log travel, that, travel, travel show. show host, yeah. And, and, you know, showing that, you know, the, 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 the dry wit and humor that he was known for was always there, but he also wasn't fully formed to the way that, you know, a lot of people know him when watching stuff on, you know, the food network or TLC. And then obviously also on showing CNN. that he was very introverted and that it was hard for him to kind Socially of come out of his awkward. shell. Yeah. And like, even with a cook's tour, which I remember kind of like always, there would always be clips of it on Omni television. That's a Canadian uh, network, Ontario specifically. Um, where like it would be on like in between episodes of the Simpsons when I was, when I was younger watching that and being kind of like, Oh, who is this guy? This guy's kind of like got this like tough New Yorker attitude. Um, but also like doesn't fit the mold of like what we think a celebrity chef is. And especially also having just, you know, done a review for Wolfgang, Wolfgang, you know, like he, like Bourdain is his evolution is fascinating in the sense that, you know, his career started as, you know, a dishwasher. He got addicted to heroin and cocaine. You know, he was able to kind of get through that, but just because he was able to sort of, you know, transition from drugs to being addicted to certain things in life doesn't mean that the addiction ever goes away. And I think that that's a distinction that someone like Roger Ebert made very 
clear and important in his documentary with, you know, life itself. He was an, was an alcoholic and he says in the, in sort of like his interviews that he will always be an alcoholic up until his dying day. That's just because he didn't touch any alcohol from, you know, 1969 onward. That doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that the wasn't. addiction isn't yeah. there. Sometimes the addiction transfers and, you know, Bourdain yeah, might not have ever done, you know, heroin again or cocaine again or any, any <laughs> drugs of that nature, but the addiction, you know, consumed him in other ways you know you you see it in sort of his appetite for traveling but then you know that void not being able to be filled after a while because he's done so much of it and never kind of feeling like he's able to get out of his own skin so then you know jujitsu uh kind of yeah. takes that role and he becomes completely and utterly obsessed by it to the point where like you you know he'll talk to everybody and anybody about it and that becomes his thing and then you know later on you know with his third kind of major relationship with aja argento um that being sort of his his obsession obsession and his fixation and his addiction and well even the jujitsu coming from his second wife you could see that he had that kind of personality of the person he's in love with really you know, falling for them and loving them and loving what they love as well. Yeah. And the idea of like him trying Mm. to figure out like what sort of, you know, a normal person is like he, he, he sees certain things that probably he wanted. Like the thing with, with Anthony Bourdain as well is that even though he had a very cynical sort of edge to him, he was also a romantic and, you know, a part of it is, you know, relationships, but also the idea of the people that he loved the most growing up as a kid were, you know, authors like Ernest Hemingway, you know, and mm-hmm. Ernest Hemingway's life at the end was also very tragic and tragic yeah. and, you know, Hunter S. Thompson and things like that. And, and then, you know, like obviously people like <laughs> Iggy Pop, like one of his, the Ramones, Iggy Pop are, are some of his, his favorite, you know, musicians and bands with the, with the Stooges and things like that. And like, you can see that like, you know, those band members, those, those people also had strong personalities that led to major drug addiction and, and sort of yeah. living that rock star lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you really see that present throughout this entire, you know, film that I, like thinking to myself, like one of the things I admired most about Anthony Bourdain was how he was able to, you know, pull himself out of the gutter and, you know, find a new lease on life. But the thing I didn't think about was that the addiction for him never really went away. It just, it just, it just manifested changed. in different ways. Yeah. Right? And Whether it was through cigarettes or some of the things that you're talking about. And that's the like- thing that I kind of felt like, not as an enabler, but someone maybe that was complicit in enjoying the things that he was producing and doing. And he's very like, that's the other thing. He loves movies. And like, you can tell that that like apocalypse now, um, you know, a lot of Fellini stuff, even though it's not yeah. mentioned in in the film, like he's a huge fan of, of the third man, the, the Carol, Carol Reed movie with Orson Welles. And like that also played a huge part in sort of shaping the style of his programming in, and sort of working with, you know, creating his own voice within writing voiceover narration. Like that's the thing I loved about his shows as well. I, I don't like voiceover just as a kind of general thing. And it starts in this very generic and he hated doing it. Yeah. Right? And but then again, he like he wasn't fully it. formed yeah. right away. Like you yeah. see him, you know, creating 
himself and sort of what we would come to know as Anthony Bourdain as the, you know, as he went along. And that's what I also loved about him is that he was one of those guys that is very, very smart, um, but was self-taught. Almost for to the his most, detriment too, though. <laughs> yeah, but self-taught for the yeah. most part. Like he wasn't like- Oh, totally. You know, he was uh, dropped uh, into this. They go over with his producers where it was just him and them and they hated working with him at first because yeah. he was just, he's introverted. He's kind of socially awkward and he didn't know what the hell he was doing. And that's what I found really interesting of like those origins of all of that, of him just going, just- just fucking shoot shoot the camera and i will go through it and don't cut and just like let's just do it and i thought that evolution of even towards the end of how he's working with aja and stuff like that of like what became so sad as well right of him like kind of switching like kind of you know giving into you know this new kind of thing which they said it he was happy in that moment and they go i've never seen him happier but he put everything but, into that and and, and yeah that basically like instead of himself like yes you can't rely on other people or a relationship to ultimately you know keep you going and you I think have that was to work on the, yourself yeah and, he and just the one producer did. was very blunt about that which i thought the younger uh woman who was one of his producers oh, helen like, Cho, yeah. I, I, yeah helen Cho, and um i found that stuff all interesting because you get the different perspectives of you know from david chang from the producers on his show from um eric eric uh, is it repair yeah um, yeah, yeah who's, uh, again like one of his best friends and like you've seen like a lot of the footage like i remember there was that episode where he and a bunch of other chefs went to this kind of like renowned sort of like experimental chef who like you know created these dishes specifically for each one of them um and you know like you could tell that they were just having a blast uh, eating that stuff but like those two were were always inseparable you know like yeah eric would always be on at least like one episode of, of every show he produced yeah so it's like you get those those interviews are so i feel like you know honest and raw that it's just uh it's just you see these people in his shows and then to get them to sit down and actually talk about Anthony's life and, and up and some of them don't want to talk about, you know, his suicide and, and things like that. And I mean, most people just, they still don't understand. Right. And the movie in the movie never, like you said, tries to, you know, you'll never you understand. That's yeah. the thing you, and you, like, and that's something that's hard to live with, you know, like yeah. you just, you don't, you you can try to rationalize it you can try to sort of you know empathize with it but ultimately you will never know what that person was thinking or what why they did what they did and it doesn't try to intellectualize it or rationalize it it just tries to sort of show you what happened and the people that have been affected by it in some way or another like even like with somebody as curmudgeon as John Laurie is, who's, who's, I, I think is funny as hell, but also is very, very, um, you know, prickly. Um, and, you know, you see him kind of as one of the first ones and he doesn't come back into sort of the conversation until a little later on, but like he, mm -hmm. he's even more introverted and sort of hard to place than Bourdain, but Bourdain has always kind of been considered like, you know, the bad boy of, you know, the, of cuisine and, and the cooking world. And like the guy mm -hmm. who is very much like, will tell you how it is. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the people in this know that he wouldn't probably want them to 
sugarcoat who he was or his personality, you know, in, in sort of having this conversation. But again, like he's one of those guys that was very much like self-taught where like you, you never felt like he, you know, like he didn't have like an Ivy league background or like he, he, he never went to traditional like cooking schools and he kind of learned everything as he kind of went on. Um, I appreciate that. Cause I always yeah. felt like, you know, like that. And I think that's what always attracted me, you know, to Anthony Bourdain that like, I, I never, or always made me interested in him. And then that's why it kind of hit me. Like, again, I was never, I never religiously watched any of his stuff, but I remember it being such a huge thing when he passed. And, um, and yeah, while the movie's not trying to tell you, you know, why he did it, but I think it's interesting that they go over, you know, all those last moments of it, of his life with the, um, Aja Argento stuff and, you know, how that relationship kind of played out. And I, I think you do see from some people in, in the film that art kind of allude to, you know, it seems like they don't, they didn't like that relationship. And, well, especially and like, in the Hong Kong episode, yeah. because you look at that episode, which is being directed by her and also, um, features, uh, Christopher Doyle, who's one of, um, Wong Kar Wai cinematographers, um, yeah. an Australian, uh, Chinese, uh, sort of, uh, expat or expat of, of Australia. Um, and like, you see, like the thing that made Anthony Bourdain such a great host was how disarming he was, you know, he was so kind of himself as he kind of <clears throat> progressed that he could sit down with anybody and have, a conversation that could be candid and vulnerable and interesting and didn't feel like it was an interview. But then with the Hong Kong episode and the way that, you know, Aja is directing it. And then you have Doyle also kind of putting his cinematography input into it. And then there's one scene with an asylum seeker specifically, which is very uncomfortable where almost felt like, a younger Bourdain would look at that and be like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like this guy is like literally about to pour your soul out to him. And you're basically, you know, trying to restage the whole thing. And it's just not authentic. It's not real. It's not, it's not honest to who he was. Like that was a moment where. And the movie juxtaposes that with the beginning of what I was talking about. Him just when he's first starting and finding his, you know, style, he goes, don't cut, don't tell, don't tell me to block things. He's like, just shoot me. And like, that's, so you started to see that in the tail end of his life before he ultimately took it, that he started to kind of, there was something up there right and then it's just again it's so unfortunate that um you know what happened and um you can really see that in everyone in this movie and and like you said it 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 almost it doesn't feel like he he's gone especially when you watch that this because it is so almost from a first person perspective that um it, it was uh mesmerizing how they you know edited this all together with stock footage and new interviews and things like that. And, um, but then there's a great moment at the end that really got me too. of like, he wouldn't want this bullshitty kind of fucking fluff piece documentary of saying like how great he was and things like that. Like there's a moment of him walking on a beach and they're like, I like that one guy too, that they interview the artist that, Oh yeah. Um, was uh, friends the lead with singer him. of uh, queen, um, of, Queens of the stone age. No, 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 not. He's fine too. But the, the guy with the long hair that painted him, that, that really interesting yeah, like, painting. Yeah. Um, that guy um, I thought was a, a great character and you could see it really kind of uh, 
took a toll on him emotionally. And there's a great moment of him. He's like, Anthony would fucking hate that he had a mural up on like in New York or whatever. And like that people were like doing this shit or don't end with him walking like on a beach in, 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 in Boston. Right. David or whatever. Cho, who and, is also yeah, David Cho, yeah, Thank you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those moments I thought were great. And then, um, having him, you know, deface a, a mural is like this kind of one act of rebellion that like, if he thought Anthony would really love, I thought was really touching. And yeah, there's uh, some really, really great stuff in the movie. I think like whether you are a huge fan of him or someone who doesn't know much about him at all. I think either way you'll come at this movie with a different perspective and still uh, end up getting a lot out of it and really enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, there is some darker stuff like right off the bat where you hear him sort of, you know, during an interview or an outtake talking about death and what he would want. And it kind of shows you both the, tragedy but also the weird humor that he had as well where like if he were to have a funeral it would be you know throw his body in a wood chipper and like right and 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 you can't help but laugh because like there's a lot of that because he talks about death but it is also kind of funny or like you know he's having a conversation about eric because eric's you know is a buddhist and like he's talking about like coming back as a sea cucumber uh and and him coming back as like a yorkie or something like that yeah and and, and it does there's some morbid stuff there, but yeah, like, but it is also funny and it's true to who you, again, it's true to who he was. Like, it's not trying mm-hmm. to hide the fact that like, you know, like this, he did contemplate death and sort of his mortality, um, multiple times. And like, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to sh- you know, show his true self. And like, there yeah. were times where like, maybe it just was becoming too much where like he thought that this was only going to be 15 minutes of fame and it's become so much more where he was so well known that he just couldn't go anywhere and yeah. be by himself or, or do anything. He, like there's there's, a, he talks about barbecuing in the backyard and that he really just loved that. Yeah. But then also, you know, you'd get sick of being at home and wanted to travel or something. Yeah. There's an episode of um, a cook's tour when he goes to Arabia and like go, basically looks at the Sahara desert and um, like he's obsessed with Lawrence of Arabia. And there's this episode where like he, he has to have like a traditionally cooked goat meal. Like he wants to kill the goat yeah, and like have yeah. like take the, the, the goat and then, you know, cook it like in like an oven, but use like the, uh, the coals and sort of bury it and, and, and have it traditionally cooked. And like, he sets out to do this and you see this not with that, but like with him being obsessed with apocalypse now and heart of darkness and, and sort of, you know, Joseph Conrad's story that he needs to go to the Congo. He has to. And like, that's not the greatest place to go. Like in terms of like, danger and sort of like being an American tourist and things like that. But like he goes all the way and, you know, there's a point where like there's even conversations about like his depression and anxiety being so bad that, you know, thinking about this, it could have been worse and worse meaning that it could have been a murder suicide. And yeah, yeah. his, he was so volatile at times that like, you know, not that it's a relief that, you know, he didn't, that he killed himself, but at least he didn't take somebody else with him. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just a real shame because again, like he was a guy that just like his perspective and personality was so interesting. And, and again, you never know how anybody is. And it's always like, what if, like, I, I don't know if he would have been in a great place in the last year and a half either, you know, like oh, with God, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't speculate on that stuff. But no. yeah, I totally agree, man. But um, I, I like I mentioned, I think there's a lot there, whether you um, know everything about Anthony Bourdain or know nothing about him. So I think it's a, a really, um, it's a tough watch at times, but it's it's obviously um, a, a, a really great film. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. I really thought it was uh, very, very solid. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a four out of five. I think it's it's great for for those who don't really know anything about Anthony Bourdain. But it also adds something for people that uh, maybe believe, maybe are more seasoned fans and actually mm-hmm. kind of know or have seen the shows or read you know the book or his other books and like I think it works well for both fans and um, sort of newcomers and again like it's just a really well made documentary that isn't afraid to confront certain things that I think you know like it, it's not afraid to shy away from the truth of who he was. So yeah, for sure. Um, thank you all for listening. That is a wrap on the 2021, uh, Tribeca film festival for Eric and I, um, thank you all for, uh, following along, uh, with us during Tribeca, uh, had a pretty good time, uh, with it. We'll be going over kind of, you know, a, a recap, a roundup of Tribeca, as well as the upcoming TIFF announcement or not upcoming, the one that just passed TIFF announcement, uh, as well as many other things on our next draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. So uh, go subscribe to that channel and keep an eye out for that. Um, our other Tribeca reviews, we would love for you guys to check those out. If you haven't, uh, we have reviews up right now for False Positive, The Novice, Wolfgang, Werewolves Within, 12 Mighty Orphans, Catch the Fair One, Italian Studies, see for me um so please go check those out uh we have some regular reviews up right now that we would love for you guys to check out uh disney pixar's luca uh fatherhood which is a netflix film and then recently eric and i did an hour uh spoiler free on black widow which you guys can check out right now uh the embargo just broke on that so please go check that out uh follow us on letterbox untitled underscore podcast all of our social links are there which are is untitled underscore cast everywhere else all of our reviews our lists uh, our ranked tribeca lists our ranked marvel lists uh eric and i's personal profiles everything's over at um untitled podcast on letterboxd uh thank you all for listening and as always uh my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet uh mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time rest in peace anthony bourdain